Did, did I just notice that you said you're voting your special election ballot? Oh yeah, I have a special election ballot in ah, here. Good I'm, for I'm not you. I'm not voting it yet, but uh and that was just a joke, by the way. There's not actually a demon in the room. I'm just cold all of a sudden. Wait, I, I was convinced that there actually was a demon in uh there with you. Uh, no, uh, not, not the case. I didn't mean to pull your leg there. Yeah. This is all I mean, this is actually just let's see, school district and community council voting. So there's not even sort of there's ostensibly not supposed to be any sort of political bent or leaning in the candidates. You know, they're supposed to be apolitical to a certain sense. It's execute a, their office with dignity, uh, no matter uh what their political ideology is. It's a nonpartisan election, in other words. Exactly. It's for the children. No, it is for the children though. I mean the maybe not the community council, but the school district for sure. Does the school district not also handle like high school? Well, oh, excuse me. Okay. I think I've been watching too much anime and like now now I think of like 15-year-olds for a very specific reason as being adults. So not for any uh, gross reasons or anything. Just, just no, but just the nature for being class president. Adulthood. Yeah. Uh, there are two Jennifers here, so if you're not paying attention, you could accidentally vote the wrong Jennifer. And that would be a shame. That would be tough. Well, welcome. This is a Tangential Advisory Podcast, Season 1, Episode 2, or I'm just going to refer to them as episode numbers for the time being. Sounds uh, good. I'm Neil. I'm Scott, and Cookie sends his best. I forgot Cookie is going to be busy today, so we'll have to hear about Final Fantasy VII Remake next week, I believe. Yeah. Scott, what's your week been like? Uh, it's been good. I've been... Uh, I finally got to play tennis for the first time. I think I had already explained my woes of I kept going to tennis courts and they kept being occupied by people that refused to like make space for any people who were not children. Um, and my frustration at uh, children thinking that they deserve more court time than I do when I'm closer to dying at any moment than they are. And the assholes that are doing like the new the new two court game where you know you you play across you, two courts. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the boundaries are as long as you get it within the lines of either court, you're good. It's amazing for your cardio. Terrible for you know just like sharing public space. But uh, so there's that. I'm trying to think what else I've got. Um. Uh oh, I finished uh I finished that series Invincible as well. Um interesting. I I don't want to spoil anything. I will say uh oh, there's a knock on my door one moment. Oh no. My car is uh my car is blocking the uh the drop point for the camper out front. Um, <laughs> so I I must go just no, for you're a fine. moment. Go go I'll do your back. thing. I'll be back in five minutes. I think you just got a riff on this one for a second. Hey guys, how's everyone doing? I'm doing fine. This is like one of the few times I actually look at the camera or kind of at the camera. There's a viewfinder thing, not viewfinder. It's like the flip out, the flip out display that you can look at. That's kind of you know off to the side slightly uh for anyone listening to the audio version stop looking into my eyes 
I'm going to continue. Guys, uh, the podcast should be going to uh, the various syndications. For some reason, Apple Podcasts isn't super happy right now, so who knows on that. Um, I'll, at one point, update like a Nightbot command to like pull up uh, whatever random feeds, uh, you, whether you want to go to like the website feed or whatnot, but... The first episode is officially up right now. Favorite soda? Uh, it might be A and W uh, root beer. I'm not. I'm. I'm not sure. I really like ginger ale. I also really like uh, Dr Pepper. Dr Pepper is like the absolute worst though at making me uh, gassy or burp. So. Oh, actually, uh, I I had um. A different soda or like a craft or you know unique strange soda from the uh the british food truck that we have in omaha and it was called uh curiosity cola curiosity cola who is that who makes it it's fentimins or something like that and uh, it was one of the most interesting soft drinks I think I'd ever had. Um, and in particular, apparently the taste that they list uh, is cloves, cinnamon, cola, quote unquote, cane sugar, vanilla, ginger, and birch. Birch. Uh, stream, uh, excuse me. A steaming hot cup of Dr. Pepper. Indeed. I do like to drink my sodas like lukewarm, or, not lukewarm, but like room temperature. Room temperature soda is perfectly fine in my book. Welcome back, Scott. I'm back. Uh, sorry, I actually wasn't anticipating that camper being back until tomorrow. Wait, so your parents came back and then you were in a situation where you would need to clean up all of the beer cans and all of like the, the Coke and make sure you know they didn't realize you were partying. Just condoms everywhere. And then you uh, had to hide underneath the coffee room table. Yeah. While, yes. uh, while well, I also made some uh, Ramdan, I believe. Uh, yeah. What a good movie. And what a great transition point to say that I watched another Bong Joon-ho movie uh, yesterday, actually. Oh. Finally watched uh, Okja, the one about the super pig. Oh, oh, I, I didn't realize that was another of his movies. It is. It's on It's a very, like, it's a very heavy movie. I heard that uh, it might be a little um, similar to Parasite. It kind of turns at a point. Is that correct? I... Yeah, you know, I would say that Bong Joon-ho does not end a movie happily. Not really. Um, there, may be, there may be some small glimmer of hope for maybe a specific view, but I've found that his, all of his movies so far to this point are sort of like dystopian or overall sort of negative on their perception of uh, the directions that society is going, right? Like, Parasite's not dystopian, but it is uh, certainly not, like, optimistic about, um, you know, wealth inequality and social structures and whatnot. I would say Okja or, like, Snowpiercer as well um, 
may also sort of have pretty negative perceptions on uh, what our futures and sort of what our, our behaviors uh, may lead us to as far as results and outcomes for, for people. Uh, Okja is pretty well set up as uh, prob- it probably for an impressionable enough like age or audience maybe the thing that uh outside of like a glass slaughterhouses documentary or something may like hit you with that first pang of uh should i be eating meat should i maybe not maybe i shouldn't be eating meat or at least not as much uh very much a uh um yeah very much a movie that just like makes you confront i think also just sort of the darker and like very real elements of being a consumer of meat in the uh, like in the particular uh, diet that we experience in a lot of like Western cultures. uh, And that is specifically like factory farming, you know, um, or meat production. Wait, but I thought this was a story about a kid and her super pig. Yeah. Just a simple, is that what you call it? I don't know. It's a super pig. Yeah, like they a, just keep calling it a super pig. It looks like a big hippo. Yeah, that's exactly what what I was going to say. Yeah, it reminds me a lot of a hippo, but uh it's a super pig and it loves persimmons. That's the uh most endearing quality that I learned from the start. Which now I can't look at persimmons and not think about Sekiro and just being like those are very valuable. I don't know if you just want to <laughs> uh, chow down on those. You're going to keep them in your pocket for months. forever yeah uh never actually use them just like i have all these green blooms that of course i would never actually use because what if i need my stamina later or like the rice yeah oh never i would never use the rice what if i don't get more just replenished when i asked for it oh i do well i still better not use this rice um yeah ah man Okja is a good movie. It was, uh, it shook me a little bit. I did not expect sort of the direction that it took in the, I don't know, second half, maybe even like the last third or so. Uh, like I knew where it was going, but the actual tenor of the, uh, like of the storytelling, I felt like changed pretty drastically. Like it was, it made me very sad. I was like, near crying for a good 10 minutes uh at a certain point do you regret watching it in some way no i don't i think it was an impactful film that's what i'll say and as another springing board another jump off point let's talk about a film that's not impactful at all i watched a new netflix movie called stowaway as well um i'm doing all this front loading because i have so little gaming to talk about tragically um i turned my computer off like maybe middle of the week last week or this week whatever you want to call it and i had forgotten that i even had a computer like after that until i i came back to it this morning to record what the Um, this is a relatively new pc too a new build yeah, it's a brand new build. I mean, and it's a great PC, but I'm waiting for Deathloop, I guess. That's what I told myself. I was like, ah, I've, um, I have to finish Omori, which uh, I will soon, but that is sort of... I don't think I'm waiting on that streaming crew anymore. Like, they can see it or they'll miss it. 
but sure. I got to finish Omori and I want to finish it. So I'll probably, I'll probably complete that goal today. Um, and then it's time to uh, do some zero escape, which I'm very much looking forward to. And they'll just have to catch up the stuff that they don't see. I'm sure it'll still be engaging enough, but uh, back to stowaway, the Netflix movie about a, it's a sci-fi sort of space thriller, very low tech sci-fi, like very close to the technology that we have today about three astronauts working for a private space company that um, I don't know, maybe, maybe you get some like SpaceX vibes perhaps Maybe you just get some like general privatized space industry vibes out of this uh, out of this movie and this this crew, but uh, certainly NASA isn't around. No, no, like uh, you know, government programs. This is this is entirely for capitalist endeavors. And this three man crew is on a two year long Mars mission, but uh oh. Someone accidentally got uh, stuck aboard the spaceship when it left Earth because there was apparently not a full like check uh, to make sure that all of the maintenance engineering crew got off of the spaceship before it launched. And what's this? His presence on a two-year mission may make it uh, this like very precisely sort of calculated trip um, not have the like necessities for life support. To cover four people on a three-man mission, what kind of tension do we have here? It's it's very much like just the this ethical question of like, uh, what do you do when you're pretty much in this like you're in this situation where having that extra person is pretty is a guarantee that uh, one of you, if not or yeah that the existence of one extra person endangers the lives of everyone, including that person. What do you do when you are told this island holds three people, and if there are four people, everyone dies? And whose fault is it if that person who washes up ashore had no control whatsoever over them being washed ashore and becoming that fourth person? So... I, at first, I thought you were describing this like sort of lightheartedly. And that this was going to turn out to be a comedy. Super heavy. It's, it's yeah. not. I t- it's okay. Super heavy. Okay. <laughs> uh, yes, man. It's. Uh, I think the actual the actual structure of building sort of this ebb and flow of tension, and then maybe partial resolution or like glimmer of hope, and then further tension. It works well, but it sort of gets into this point where it's very, like there were moments where I'm just like, Oh, come on. Like there's, there's literally, there's, there's no time at all in which you feel like there's sort of a break. Like there is just this sort of crushing pressure that gets heavier and heavier. But what happens is from time to time that, that like pneumatic, that pneumatic squeeze that's being done. It's like the piston doesn't go back at all, but it'll just stop for a second. And then it'll accelerate and push down a little bit more. It'll just keep, you know, like squishing the tension uh, between the characters over and over. And the actual humanization of the characters, just giving them elements that make them uh, relatable or, you know, that just like demonstrate their humanity where you don't 
feel, I think, as a viewer, comfortable with sort of anyone facing death because they're, you know, they're all presented as people, uh, you know, complex and with different characteristics and traits. But you don't actually learn almost anything about these characters, which means like at the end of the day, it's just like, this is the nice man. These are the two nice ladies. This lady's a little less nice than the other lady, but she's not a bad lady. And so you have these like really sort of neutral or blase characters. And it's just like, well, at that point, the sto like the stowaway, who is not an actual stowaway, is like the most likable and relatable character. And so it's just like, well, I don't want him to die, even though it's, you know, not his fault. Uh, but these people probably also don't deserve it, but I have no reason to care about them whatsoever. I know that this character has a wife. This character is, like, ethical. <laughs> this character uh, is responsible for everyone's safety. Those are the main elements of these people. And then there's the likable stowaway. I mean... Uh, He's if, had a bad day. He's had a bad time, right? He didn't want to go to space for two years. He almost died on on the way up. If you think about it from a standpoint of, uh, well, so I'm I'm assuming. I mean, I I know I should say it's obviously not easy to, uh, you know, turn your spaceship around <laughs> and just go yeah, back down to Earth. They they do address essentially that idea, which is totally true in space. It's like they calculate how much fuel you need, and then a lot of that a lot of that momentum and whatnot works off of like you know you're going to slingshot through the orbit of a planet or something, yep. uh, as opposed to fight literally all of that momentum that you generate. And so they do get to a point very early on um, where it's just like, oh well, there's no turning around. So you know, like we got to figure out how to make all four of us live for two years um but this is this is the great twist to the movie uh this is where this movie deviates from apollo 13 where you know they realize like oh shit you know our co2 scrubbers not going to sustain us we need to fix it and then you have the split in the movie where it's the nasa guys the engineers down on the ground panicking and being like give me some tape give me your socks we're gonna solve this and save these men and they literally do every single thing they can to bring back uh tom hanks and kevin bacon and whatnot uh safe and sound because these men are heroes their lives matter and this mission this mission is nothing if they're all dead in the vacuum of space and so nasa the heroes of apollo 13 and of course the heroes themselves the astronauts it's like this struggle against the odds. It's like man versus nature, I think, is the best way to represent it. But in this one, it's a little bit of man versus nature, but also man versus capitalism as the, uh, yeah, as the captain of the crew is constantly interacting with like HQ or whatever. And HQ, once they realize there's like four people there, they're like, okay, there's going to be a PR nightmare. So we're going to have someone go take care of his sister who needs a guardian uh, while he's gone for two years in space because he accidentally got, you know, shuttled off the planet. Oops. Um, also, you know, let's go ahead and try and figure out an option. Oh, you know what? That's not going to work. Have you tried killing him? Like, there's really only supposed to be three people aboard. 
why don't you just throw him out the airlock the, the capitalist um, idea here would be just get rid of the third or the third the the fourth person that was not designed to be part of the mission yeah exactly and it, it is wild like what they do i think is actually a clever film technique where you never hear like you only have those four actors there's no there's not even audio of like the other there's not audio from hq or whatever like you just have this plastic earpiece that um you know the the captain is like talking into so you never hear any transmissions from earth it's just isolated to the crew and so multiple times you know the captain is just like this plastic earpiece is essentially another character like the plastic earpiece that she's talking to that has no dialogue and is just like a prop is essentially the representation of everybody back on earth, the company and whoever her like direct contact is with headquarters. I think his name is Jim. And multiple times I'm just like, man, fuck Jim. Jim is just a plastic earpiece. Like don't listen to him. Um, But you can just tell over and over, like it is good acting. All of the actors are doing a very good job of sort of conveying you know, it, emotion and sort of the stakes of things just off of their expressions and their mannerisms. Um, and they make up for the fact that there's like so little other, um, there, there's so little other characters. Like they all have to really do a very good job of explaining the situation and the tension without having many moments to be expository either, right? they're talking to each other somewhat rarely in the film. Like it's not super dialogue heavy to, you know, to the degree that it could be. And this idea of just every time that the captain is talking to the earpiece and she's like, uh, more bad news, more bad news. Like we can, you know, we can trust the boys back on ground. I think the name of the company is Hyperion. It's like, we can trust the boys at Hyperion to, you know, try and solve this. And then every time Hyperion's like, I don't know, we're, have you tried airlocking him yet? Like, it's like they have a single whiteboard back home that they're just circling over and over. And it's like, kill the stowaway, kill the stowaway. Why don't we just kill the stowaway? And everybody on board is just like, this seems unethical, but you know, we could all die. So we're in this moral dilemma. Um, the movie is interesting, but it has such a hard time sticking the landing. I think it. I think. I think it totally flops on the on the actual ending of the movie. But overall, the experience was still interesting. Um, you know, it's it's fun to see movies that work in such a like tight format of just this is the trolley problem in space, and uh, it's just the fact that they like sort of stop without some resolutions that seem very reasonable to see or at least be hinted at um, that makes it a little weird after you've completed the whole thing. Um, it, it is one of those where the, t- where the credits come up and you go, what? <laughs> like, they cut it here? This is the end? Um, I, I don't know and, how you can yeah. refer to the trolley problem without cracking a smile now because of all the stupid memes. Without what? Uh, w- without cracking a smile when you talk about the trolley problem because it's... it's I love the trolley problem. No, the trolley problem is is both one of my favorite philosophical quandaries in like seriously, but also the memes are some of the best memes around too. Uh, is it that the... Uh, 
May, that, th- this is maybe like a little bit of a spoiler by asking this question, but I I hope no one necessarily minds the uh, the question. It's still a vague one at that. Mm-hmm. Is there a consensus about how they're going to ultimately deal with the moral dilemma before the end of the movie? No, I think what I think how it works is like each each character has their own conclusion that they've reached and then it becomes the the role or position of one character to argue like the most ethical or humane thing like it's this push and pull between people dis- making different decisions about how to approach the trolley problem and then the interplay and conflict between them uh i think in a very reasonable and believable way as well like it does not i i can say up front this is not a spoiler i think it's fairly evident from the tone of the movie but like there's not some sort of like full-fledged mutiny uh that's happening ever you know nobody is like going to bonk another astronaut on the head with a wrench to solve the problem so it is like it is still approached from the fact that these are all like very serious professional and like thoughtful people overall um and that I I think the thing that they have a really light hand in, though, is I've already talked about the company providing sort of no support or help whatsoever to solve the problem. Just being like, well, you're fucked. You got to vent him. Uh, And then like these little tidbits where the captain says, you know, this this ship or like this design and this mission is technically like only slated for two. Like it's ideally adapted for two. So it's already like you find out halfway in the movie that uh, perhaps they were trying to do a cross-country road trip, a cross-country road trip in a smart car, but also drive three people in it. Like, it seems like they were already pushing the limits and the company was cutting corners. And so you see these like tiny little hints or tidbits that like, ah, yes, they have all this trust in Hyperion, but Hyperion has repeatedly fucked them over by like over-equipping the number of people for the mission already. And, you know, not doing an appropriate sort of ready check to make sure that, I don't know, somebody doesn't accidentally get stuck on board when the rocket ship launches into space. And they never seem to like question it or show any sort of anger or frustration at the company, which is so wild. I would be absolutely cursing any company that, you know, literally anybody, but especially an entity that's supposed to be concerned about like my safety, uh, at least is like a secondary goal for the success of their project. And um, yeah, it's just, it is very weird that they don't have any animosity uh, towards sort of the people in the situations that put them in the trolley problem of the movie in the first place. Isn't that kind of reminiscent of, uh, I'm assuming um, the situation in Alien, the classic sci-fi horror movie alien is a very good example of it yeah because uh i granted i i the only reason it comes uh it comes to mind is because i mentioned it somewhat recently but like at least in the game isolation uh you you realize like the the fundamental problem with like space exploration and uh capitalist uh like mentality right like it, it it it's like a running thing of like well they, we could this could have happened and we could have taken care of things this way but because we're concerned more about the retrieval 
of property and blah, blah. Now we're in this dilemma. Um, yeah. Is that the big takeaway of it? Or do you think it's more the moral dilemma that is like that the director wants like the viewer to, you know, analyze and so forth? I think if I didn't already have sort of the opinions or biases that I brought into the film, it would be hard for your average viewer to pick up on sort of the the uh, original sin that this Hyperion company has sort of done. Like the referencing to it and uh, the discussion about it is limited enough that I think you're average and casual viewer is going to be much more focused on the moral dilemma that faces each character. Um, and in that way, then the perspective on the movie does become different because it sort of shows like the heroic um, acts or self-sacrifice that exists within the characters put in the situation and much less sort of like critique on why the situation precipitated in the first place. I get you. But you the the ending's so bad would you still recommend people watch it? I I it might still be worth checking out. Um I will give the caveat like don't expect to feel super resolved by the ending. And and the thing like I the thing that I want to point out the most is like the reason I think another reason the movie didn't stick the landing very well is because at the end of the day the characters were not developed enough. Like it's an hour and 40 minute movie or something like it's under two hours, but it's close. I think Um, because the characters weren't developed enough. It's like the only person that you actually feel anything for is the stowaway, which it's good that they did that because otherwise you would also like as a viewer, take the company side, like, yeah, just vent the guy. Like I don't care about him. I don't know him, but he's like the only person they've really completely humanized um and and you don't have nearly the same sort of context or background for the three other characters the actual astronauts so if any of those astronauts were to say make a sacrifice and and die for the good of the crew or something it's like is it any more of a loss for they're interchangeable essentially like each each one is interchangeable even if they've taken different moral decisions or shown a different level of sort of commitment towards uh the rest of the group it's like overall it doesn't really matter who dies if anyone dies for the benefit of the crew um just that like they (laughs) you literally just need to pluck one person from the group and then it becomes you know uh a safe situation and that's also kind of the weird thing too it's just like it becomes this math problem where it's like if we have three people it's all good if we have four not good that's it right I might, I might have to check it out. I, I, I we'll, mean, we'll it's, see worth, what it's worth sitting down and checking out. I've, uh, I've been trying to get Tiff to watch like a variety of movies with me, but instead we just end up watching anime. So, uh, yeah, I haven't finished The Great Pretender yet, but that's uh, an anime I've been working on. I mean, when you were talking about that, we also uh, were talking a bit about Lupin off stream or off the podcast before and like i'm getting into the mood of heists and such Mm. and i i'm i'm really like you know trying to push for certain things certain other movies to watch but instead i ended up watching yet another isekai and binged the entirety of that 
uh, it's it's been brought up by various people before uh, on the channel, but it's called uh, Jobless Reincarnation, or I think it's like Tenshoku I think uh, I, Isekai. I, yeah, no, I, I think I brought this up asking you about it um, a little while back. Uh, Mushoku Tensai? Yeah, Tensei? yeah. Maybe that's yeah. what it what it is. Um, I watched all eleven episodes of the first season, and uh, must Good. have for a reason. I I enjoyed watching it. It. Mm. Th- do you know the premise at all? Should I kind of bring that into play here? Uh, I think all I know this is my impression, and I know so little about it. But it seems like uh, sort of an an otaku or like hikikomori guy uh dies reincarnated in another world but like as a baby more or less or as a toddler yeah so he he grows up and then i think also confronts elements of his his past or whatever as he as he grows up that's that's the whole impression i have no details past that yeah i I could be wrong i won't get into like too many spoilers in case you decide to watch it but uh i'll note that like we're not talking about like the oh at least they're like passably average in terms of like otaku uh, hikikomori it's more like oh this dude has some luggage he's he's got like a very unhealthy image of himself uh and potentially a very unhealthy lifestyle to begin with has has his own personal traumas to deal with it's not like rezero where the guy just is wearing a tracksuit and that's your defining feature Mm -hmm. um so so he he definitely has uh We'll we'll say some character flaws, and and sometimes they're utilized for the uh, for humor because like being a being a guy and like I I think either his late thirties or early forties at least before his his uh, departure from you know the world as we know it uh, he you know he he's I mean he he has manly need or he has like desires and such that would be that of like a a, a male adult so like as a baby he's still like. Uh, I guess you could say is still conscious of those certain things. So like the the show like is very quick to play on the humor of him being like a panty fiend as a baby, uh, <laughs> which like you wouldn't think anything of if you know you you had a baby you know crawling around baby, yeah. getting yeah. into clothing. But like uh, er- early and like hardly even a spoiler at all. But like the the maid of this house that he uh, is born into like notice keeps noticing his like devilish grin when he's holding on to pants or panties excuse me not pants Mm -hmm. uh but but yeah the the thing that kind of differentiates it from the rest of uh the isekai genre not the rest i mean i i think this is something that occurs in several other things but it's not necessarily the norm is that he starts off as a baby and uh he goes through essentially like you, you, along with the with the main character, you, the viewer, with the main character, kind of go through a sense of world building because he's experiencing this world for the first time and makes some assumptions early on about like whether or not this is Europe, uh, and like as you discover, uh, you, you're essentially discovering the different elements of this world along with the uh, with the protagonist, who is uh, the inner thoughts are voiced by us. Uh, oh God, I can't think of his last name, but the. Sugita, the guy who uh, voices Gintoki and Gintama, so mm. that was an, that was another nice bonus. Or also, um, the Japanese voice actor for uh, 
uh, Yusuke in Persona 5. So, Okay. My so, favorite voice actor. He he's a uh, he he's a good voice actor and like he 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 occasionally lets out a little bit of like the goofy Gintoki uh, mm-hmm. bits which are like amusing for me personally at least but like he he does a good job of being grounded in this role. Um but yeah, it it, it it's interesting because like not only do you have to deal with like the element of being reborn in a completely different world and having like your past life your past experience and knowledge uh, carry over, but also like your experiences and trauma. So I think that adds like a little bit of an interesting uh, twist to it. Like someone that may, I mean, this is not exactly the case, but like someone that, that say, you know, had like, well, I, I, this is definitely the case in one, in one example, but someone that's afraid of going outside and like being in pastoral Europe. Yeah, essentially. So, I I mean I love the idea. I just like the idea overall of sort of like the consciousness of a previous life clashing with the for like the formation of a consciousness in a in a completely different context and world. Like uh the exploration of that is fascinating to me. The the, the one thing I will say is that I, I don't know if this necessarily is different for from the the light novel or original uh web publication or uh in manga form but like it does feel like a lot of those hangups get addressed relatively early within the se- uh the first season mm-hmm. so like i kind of wish there was still some elements of that as you went as you go further and further in because that that in particular felt like something that was entertaining to you know see a character deal with past life traumas in a new world um by the point at which like the uh, the first season ends, it definitely does not end like in a oh this is a great wrapping up point good you know mm-hmm. you could stop here like it it ends in a way that only wants you you know to get more yeah exactly and I think they have confirmed a second season but that won't come out until twenty twenty two if I'm not mistaken so it's got some time on it uh, okay. I'd also note that by the point that we're at in the story. Or even a little bit before, it does start to introduce more of like the typical anime tropes, if you will, uh, like you know multiple love interests and so forth. So heads up there if that's not necessarily your cup of tea. Um, but it, uh, it it does some other things too that I'm a fan of. Like it doesn't get stats involved. There's no there's no fucking drop down menu that you know you you or maybe everyone in some cases have access to a, an MMO menu screen that you then change your equipment on and you got to stash your things in your fucking item bag. Like, it doesn't do any of that. Okay. Like, it's it's a self-contained sort of, like, quote-unquote, real world. Yeah, you. if you have a sword, it sits on your hip. If you have, like, a flask of water, it's somewhere on your person. Yeah, okay. you, you don't level up, per se. Like, the, the, the main character occasionally will talk about, like, MP and such, but I think it's mm-hmm. purely because they are... It's his perspective... Yeah, exactly. It's like, well, I played a bunch of MMOs and fighters and shit when I was a kid or when I was in in my other life. It's like a spiritual stamina in this world, but he's just like, yeah, magic points. (laughs) I know what this is. Yeah, exactly. Oh, I ran out of MP. I can't cast any more magic. I'm really tired now. It's no, just like you're fucking exhausted, but that's okay. It it makes sense within the context of him uh, applying his past, uh, his, his previous, you know, experience. Yeah. But the the thing I respect is that it it takes the world itself more seriously. I I don't always feel like 
you know, going through the stat sheets always makes the most sense to me, or it ne- is really necessary. It makes wacky. sense in certain things. Like, I'm thinking of some anime that I maybe saw the pilot and a second episode of where this guy levels up, I think, using a girl's back or whatever. Is that the dungeon one? I feel like, is it wrong to pick up girls in a dungeon? That might be it. I could be totally wrong, but I feel like I've seen something like that where it's like, uh, put your new stats in on my back tattoo or whatever. Wait, is that? Oh, that I might it's, be. It's been years, but I was just like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> <laughs> Both loving the idea for its absurdity, but also being like, oh, okay, this is not for me, actually. like, <laughs> I'm not hooked on this one. I mean, it makes sense if you're trapped in a like an MMO or something, like if we, if we talk about like Log Horizon or something. but uh, Log Horizon. A show that for the amount of just like discomfort I have with MMOs, I shouldn't enjoy. And the fact that there's also a cat man that has, you know, Nyan and Meow worked into like all of his lines. And yet I still was just like, yeah, tell me more about the MMORPG world you're trapped in. Like this is this is fascinating to me. I'm st- did you ever end up checking up uh checking out Mal Malu or whatever the the artists or art the author's previous work it's about no it, it's uh, I I feel like this is going to be like the fifth time I've pitched this show but it's about is a, it is okay. it the one with the uh the like hero and the uh essentially like demon queen or whatever uh yeah that's the same one yeah and within like okay. some of the first episodes they start talking about crop rotation yes that's right cookie cookie is definitely pitched this one too i mean i could check it out i'm really interested in this uh mushoku uh tensei one that you're talking about where did you find it uh funimation or one of the other syndications used. okay uh, i and funimation you need like a subscription for i assume you do for certain things, but I was able to watch Wonder Egg Priority without a paid subscription. And so, how's that? Is that good? I, we'll see once it ends. It like okay. so we're still waiting on engaged? like a special OVA. Yeah, I'm engaged. I, I found it okay. actually really. Wait, did I talk about this when you when you, you, uh, you went on the pod? Talk, you talked about the very first episode where she has the multicolor pen that is uh. a mace. Or, you know, that's that's what I remember, is that she has a weapon that looks just like that sort of four-ink pen that you'd have that had the little combo. Yeah, and that becomes um, her weapon. And then I looked it up, and I was like, yeah, that's the perfect description. Like, it, it was much closer to my mental image than I thought it would be. Uh, and then there's also, uh, I believe, there's one other show that I want to watch. Uh, I didn't realize how big Netflix is sort of anime selection has gotten it's it definitely seems like it's it's gotten quite a bit bigger i think they're recognizing how valuable it is how valuable the weeb community is for sales yeah yeah they're just like oh we gotta leech these weebs (laughs) um but uh yasuke the one about the like uh sort of like the historical fantasy about uh the uh black samurai oh yeah, yeah, yeah 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 yes Look, I love Samurai Champloo. Uh, it, you can sell me on a Black Samurai super easy. Uh, I'm also... I don't know. I don't, I don't think I ever saw Afro Samurai, but I always was just like, this art style is really cool to me. Like, I also felt like I wanted to check that out at some point in time. I've never gotten around to it. 
I didn't realize they were making a, a series on Yasuke. Huh, interesting. Yeah, it just uh it just came out from what I understand. Oh, Bob says that past life trauma will still pop up in later volumes regarding uh, Mush- uh Mushoku Tensei. So that's good to know. I think that keeps it more interesting. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Um in one, uh, one other thing I did start watching in terms of anime, which is going to be a little more on like the on like the otaku side, maybe I'm not even sure yet. All I know is that there's supposedly like some sense of mystery to the to the, this series, and I, I don't know if that's a spoiler or not. I have no idea. That that's what was pitched to me before uh, Tiff turned it on, but it's something like the day I became a god, and so far to me, it just seems like a weird sort of comedy um. movie. The first uh, time I stepped on a series. tennis court. <laughs> no, but uh, but the uh, the premise is is simply that like the the very average stereotypical main character who's like a third year in high school, uh, studying to uh, studying for entrance entrance exams, um, suddenly meets up with this girl that looks like she's uh, dressed up as a nun, like middle school elementary school age or whatever who claims her name is odin and that she's a god and she tells like the, uh, the norse god odin yeah from asgard odin uh okay. and and tells the main character that the like well that she's a god obviously part of the claim but that also the world is going to end in 30 days and she seems to have like omnipotence because she's able to do a bunch of things like uh predict like you know that it's going to rain when it's not going to, or that like they shouldn't take the bus because it ends up getting stuck in traffic, which it does, or like uh, the exact order of the results of a horse race. So it seems to be true as far as I know, but mm-hmm. it, it's more or less just a bunch of goofy fun so far, like pretty comical at this point. But I'll I'll probably I'll probably be watching that just for the sake of figuring out what's going on and if there's actually a mystery. If there's a mystery, mm-hmm. I'll watch it. But that that about covers it for me on terms of in terms of anime. Uh, for games, I don't know if there's much I really have to say either. Outside of I played a lot more of that really bad horror game I was talking about before, the uh, the two D one called Livestream, the Haunting of Hotel Izanami or something. Uh, yeah. where I, looked, I looked up, uh, I did an image search of that really quickly, and I found I found what you're talking about, and I said. Okay, time to scrub my history. Yep, yep. Definitely don't yeah. want anyone seeing like, oh, this is what I've been watching. Yeah, this is what Scott watches. It's uh, it's still pretty bad, but like at least we've made progress. At this point, I'm just gonna finish it. But um, as the long ga- as Tiff is having a good time. Yeah, that's more or less it. I mean, at this point, I I think I've gotten over like the jump scare aspect of it. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> the last thing we saw was getting getting one of the girls stuck underneath a fire escape door. <laughs> and then I, I didn't realize that like uh, one of the prompts in that particular scenario was just hitting the back button to leave and come back with like a, a you know an item that could help get her out. So I just spent like 20 minutes clicking every bit of the screen, not 20 minutes, but hyperbole. And and some of those uh, clicks being around her, which would cause cause her to like jump up and her boobs to like dramatically flail around in a very 
very, very provocative way. But, you know, really getting that whole, like, uh, the whole touch the girls as much as you want feature into play there, I guess you could say. Yeah. Uh, the game hasn't, like, screwed me over again at any point in time where, like, uh, where the uh, the the villain or whatever, the killer, would just show up between me and the hiding spot or exit. But mm-hmm. I have I have noted, noted like, another thing that like, I think is just rough about the game's design is that there's no sense of, like, uh, location permanence. So let's say if there's, like, a long hallway and you're... He's at the end of one, uh, or he's at one end, and you're at the other, and you turn the corner... By doing that, that basically resets his location, so he's right behind you again. <laughs> and <laughs> that's cheating. <laughs> it, it is like it, it's 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 like the worst case of rubber banding, I guess you could say. Which I hate. I have gone on record before that that is the shit that makes me angrier than anything else. Uh, and I know that there's like there's ways to do rubber banding pseudo responsibly with like Resident Evil 2's remake, for instance, but. Yeah, that in particular is such an egregious flaw. It's so bad, too, because as soon as you enter a room, like, most of the rooms have a bathroom that then you can then, you know, squat in to to reveal panties, obviously, the main intention. Uh, But, like, in those scenarios, because he shows up right behind you, it's like, (laughs) he sees you go into the bathroom, and then he decides to just... He, he just pieces out at that point because oh, hey, okay i was well, wondering if the, it was the developers it, it would be better if the developers were punishing you for like try like it would i think it would be very funny it's sort of an inside joke to make this game where it was just like okay you horny creeps like we're going we're going to punish you with potential death and failure every time you give into your base instincts <laughs> I want to make I want to make that game in particular where it is you have to put everything on the line if you're going to be a creep. But yeah, I I don't really have to. I'm probably not going to bring that game up ever ever again. We'll beat it, and okay. that'll be the end of it. I I didn't I did want to bring up one game in particular that uh I haven't started yet, but I'm really really curious about what it's going to turn out to be because uh uh it's a game that has been kind of pushed as a a jrpg version of gnosia or nosia or however you want to pronounce it so the godiva good yeah godiva chocolate the best no uh the the short tagline for it is well the game is called Jin conception and the tagline is Jin conception is a social deduction fantasy thriller turn-based rpg Oh, okay. So just a big old jumble. And, and when you look at some of the footage, it looks a lot like uh, Chrono Trigger in terms of like the way the the I mean the way the like characters the are presented, the style? way not not necessarily the art style, but like the way the characters move on the map, uh, okay. how you enter battles, the uh, the stat the stat system or the stat menu as that pulls up. So as soon as that comes out on the twelfth, it looks like I'm gonna start streaming that right away but i i think i think it's a it's pretty interesting the the uh the other element to the game is that like this cast of what looks like eight characters maybe nine who actually knows you have to assign different values to each character whether they're Mm -hmm. friend foe i think it's foe or uh like a third vague option like either or both or something and i i'm not sure 
more or less. I, I'm not sure exactly what I'm. I'm trying not to look too far into how this works, but it seems like there's an element where like every maybe it's a story beat, maybe it's something else. There's a point in time where like you might have a matter of like whether it's voting people off or people end up getting killed or if you're not able to assign the correct values for the correct people, something could happen from there. Uh, I'm assuming given the whole basis of like the deduction game in general that there's probably going to be looping or some form of that. Maybe it's just different attempts. I'm not sure, but looks promising, looks interesting. But that's my video game talk, I think, for the week. And I have none. So I say we wrap it up early. We let our our lovely, beautiful listeners know that uh, I won't be on the podcast next Sunday because I'll actually be in town uh, in Omaha. You'll see me uh, appear out of nowhere from behind Neil's green screen. Um, But you'll be behind the green screen, so you still can't see it technically. No, I'm going to pop my head through the green screen. <laughs> yeah, which is great because it'll actually look like I came through sort of the, uh, you know, those like paper doors. Um, yeah, it'll be perfect, actually. That's, there's, there's literally no other background you could have that would be more realistic. Um, but uh, yeah, I'll be, I'll be in town. And who knows, maybe I'll even try and disrupt, disrupt your stream by getting you to hang out instead. Yeah, we'll see what, what, what happens. Uh... Are you fully vaccinated now? Absolutely, one hundred percent. I bulletproof, have... and by bulletproof, I mean I also still practice like the ultimate, uh, you know, level of sort of safety, where I am like still hermetically sealed and masked up, even in public, being uh, completely immunized. Um, because why not? That's that's how you guarantee it. I, I spent some time in Lincoln, Nebraska, uh, on Friday. And it's crazy. I like how this means it's COVID related. It's crazy how uh, how different. Like it, it wasn't like Lincoln specific, like the metro area, but like more of the outskirts. It's mm-hmm. crazy how different and how like in incon- uh, like unconcerned people are. Even in the the freaking hospital, there are a bunch oh, yeah. of people with like. Hold on, I've actually got one around here. A bunch of people with their masks, just like this. Yep. Just like, hey. I love the chin strap setup. Yeah. Because I've never breathed with my nose. I mean, maybe that's a fair... That Maybe they're entirely mouth if, breathers, yeah. so there's mouth no breathers, reason to. Yeah, then they're actually doing... I mean, they're doing the best that they can. Um, In a fucking yeah. hospital, though. I mean, I've talked about it, how like you go into the city and it's fairly good out here. And it, literally, as soon as you leave the city boundaries... Um, you know, it is like people trying to open mouth kiss you instead. Really, zero to sixty. Are are the French ever going to go back to normal? Is the question. Will they ever be able to? Oh, cheek the little kiss? cheek kisses. Yeah, that's tragic. I had not thought about that for a single second. What about the mafia? I, I'm a personal fan. Like, even though I know it's not particularly like it, it's not safe in just a general sense. Like from a virological sense just generally for any sort of transmission flu season or even the most moderate of just like cold sure um it's not sa- a safe practice but i i think it's endearing uh so sorry i'm sorry that the french are losing probably that cultural uh that really cultural trademark 
that exists or watermark cultural watermark that exists within their society wait you a watermark i don't know if i've ever heard of someone described like a i'm coining new terms all the time they'll just have to go into adobe acrobat and remove watermark now Anyways. I mean, you could do like a gentle sort of like a very like the most gentle sort of like pat or tap on the face instead. Like someone just it's like a very gentle sort of slap of either side of your face and then the appropriate number of times instead of kisses. Wait, is there a number of times you're supposed to kiss if you're French? Depending depending on what region in France you're in, there's uh, different numbers of kisses that are uh, more common societally. So there are some areas where it's four. There are some where it's two. There are a couple where it's three, but it's almost never one. Wait, so it's like left, right, left, right, or left, left, yeah, right, yeah. right? Yeah, uh, normally, normally alternating. So sometimes like right, left, right, left, right, or right, left, right, left. Why does it matter? <laughs> it's a cultural thing. Are they training their combos? <laughs> uh <laughs> I think it it's it is one of those things uh I mean this is one of those examples where it's like so in, encoded into sort of culture and society and behavior it is an outsider identifier like if you're a sociologist or whatever it's how you sort of can tell a local right same way that like around here people don't really have accents but you still hear like instead of creek people say crick uh stuff like that Norfolk Norfolk North, North, man, fuck that place. Uh, <laughs> Worcester. Part, part of it, uh, Worcester. Um, part, part of the Norfolk, Norfolk debate too, though, is the fact that they changed the name, which uh, is its own sort of can of worms to unpack. It was, it was something like it was supposed to be North Fork at one point. Yes, right? yes, and then it became Nor Norfolk, and then changed to nor norfolk and everybody who spent any time there was just like you can't just rename our town this is not td ameritrade park uh <laughs> I, I didn't realize there were like name changes i i knew that like yeah. the initial ah uh, well i don't i don't know exactly what it I doesn't matter know. we need to we need to hit eject because i've drank too much coffee I haven't had a single cup today. Just matcha. All right, guys, that's it for the podcast. You can find us hopefully in the near future on Apple Podcasts, but also on uh, Stitcher, Google Play, whatever the hell. They're all over the place now. The first episode's up. This, this one will probably go up in the next uh, day or so. Resident uh, UK uh, representative Shizio sweating over our analysis of English, by the way. But thanks for watching, guys. Have a great rest of your week if you're uh, if you're listening on the app. I'll be extra generous. Have a great two weeks, and we'll see you soon. Bye now.